Hey everyone, welcome back to the Warrior Monk Podcast. I hope you and your loved ones are staying healthy and safe during the COVID-19 pandemic. I know it's been an extremely challenging time for all of us, and I've been trying to use my extra free time to get some more podcasting done and get you guys some more content. My guest in this episode, he called me all the way from New York via Skype. Jesse Gold, he's an Army veteran, and he's the founder of the Heroic Hearts Project. They're a nonprofit organization who've made it their mission to connect veterans suffering from treatment-resistant post-traumatic stress with psychedelic therapy. Now, I know this is a controversial subject. Psychedelics have been illegal in the U.S. for a very long time, but they're now being re-examined under medical conditions and research conditions for therapeutic potential for post-traumatic stress and depression. I'm going to let Jesse talk the details, but I'd like to put out a disclaimer that uh, myself on the Warrior Monk podcast or anyone affiliated, we do not endorse the use of illegal substances for recreational use. The topics in this podcast are for informational purposes only, and anyone suffering from depression or post-traumatic stress should be seeking the advice of their doctor to discuss alternative treatments. And if you are a veteran in need, you can speak to someone right now. You can call the Veteran Crisis Line at 1-800-273-8255. Or you can even text them at 838-255. All right, I'm excited to get into the conversation with Jesse. But before I do, I want to let you guys know that today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a free 30-day trial membership and I got to tell you, I love Audible. I've been a member of them for years, and I think you guys would enjoy them too. You can go to audibletrial.com forward slash podcast, and you can browse their unmatched selection of audio programs and books. And you can download a free title and start listening right away. It's super easy. Just go to audible.com forward slash podcast, and you can get started today. All right, guys, let's get to the conversation with Jesse from Heroic Hearts Project. Awesome. Well, good morning, guys, to the Warrior Monk podcast. Um, I am extremely happy and glad and grateful to have Jesse Gold from the Heroic Hearts Project joining me this morning. He was gracious enough to give me some of his time this morning. And uh, first off, thank you, Jesse, for joining me. And uh, first of all, how are you doing amongst all the crazy COVID uh, nonsense right now? Everybody on your side of the world doing all right now? You're, you're in your work, correct? Yeah, correct. Uh, good morning, Lance. Uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for giving us a platform um, and you know spending the, this time to share the message. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, in the thick of it in, in New York. I have an apartment in uh, Harlem, and on the day to day, you know, it's 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 not anything. I feel like it it seems worse for the daily person through the the news because you're just always seeing these highlights. And yeah. you know, we're fortunate enough to to where we're, we're not really having too bad of a time but I, I just know there's a lot of pain and suffering in new york which you can feel the tension and you know i just can't imagine being a hospital worker or you know small business owner here there's there's definitely a lot of pain um so you know i just kind of consider myself fortunate that you know the in terms of the inconveniences are they're only mi- mild yeah it's a great mindset to have too is like kind of always having the glasses half full mentality um, yeah, can you please give the audience, if they're unfamiliar with you and Heroic Hearts Project, a little bit of an introduction on, on you and what Heroic Hearts Project is all about? Of course. Uh, so my background is I was an Army Ranger for a number of years, uh, a few combat deployments to Afghanistan. Um, and, you know, I had I really enjoyed my service, had a, had a great time. It really developed me into the person I am with a lot of, you know, great qualities, great confidences, all that. Um, but when I got out, I had some pretty uh, usual issues that a lot of other veterans experience. Mine weren't uh, necessarily extreme trauma related, but it was issues in terms of anxiety, depression, just general unhappiness and lack of purpose when I went into the civilian world. And I couldn't shake it no matter what I did, no matter what healthy life habits or unhealthy life habits that I uh, found, there's nothing I could do to, to, to get rid of that dark cloud. Um, and it started really affecting my life, just having anxiety attacks or just being depressed or just not really caring. Um, 
And so I tried to go the usual routes, you know, through the VA, through uh, traditional uh, mental health routes. Uh, one, you know, I wasn't really interested in going on medication. You know, it's, it can work very well for some people, but it, I just wasn't at that spot. And I, I felt like there should be alternative ways. Um, and so that led me down this current path uh, where I heard about something called ayahuasca. Uh, we're pa- can you still hear me? Yes. Okay. So I heard about something called uh, ayahuasca, and at first I was skeptical. You know, I, I've never really, I never used psychedelics in the past, never really used any sort of illegal drugs, so really wasn't interested at all. But like I said, I just came to that point out of necessity in my life where I just knew, you know, I would make some bad decisions, some irreversible decisions. And I knew I needed some sort of drastic change, um, and so I, I, I took the leap of faith. Uh, found a place in South America and Peru that I thought would do this these ayahuasca ceremonies in a, in a safe, responsible way. And, you know, I left my job and didn't turn back or didn't look back. Um, and that's really what led me on this path, uh, just because I had some pretty intense, uh, difficult, but profound changes after my initial experience with ayahuasca. Awesome. Um I guess right there, let's let's just talk about ayahuasca in general um, for anybody that doesn't know, because I know there's a lot of kind of um, negative connotations when you talk about psychedelics in general, right? Because of uh, the whole mentality of like good good drug versus bad drug and everything like that. And like if it's prescribed to you by a doctor, it's a good drug. But if you go seeking it from a non-traditional or I should say non-Western um, doctor or, you know, some other form of culture that it's considered like a bad drug, right? So can, can you explain to anybody who's not familiar with the word or, or what ayahuasca is, can you explain it to them? Of course. And yeah, to your point, you know, the, the word psychedelic is like a buzzword and it has a yeah. lot of baggage as, as well as drug, the word drug in general. And it really kind of depends on where you're coming from, how you view it. And psychedelics have a, a loaded history with the seventies with, you know, personal experience of who you know that have taken different drugs. So that's one of the things we're trying to change. So ayahuasca itself is uh, considered a psychedelic at its most basic form. It is a combination of two plants that are found in the Amazon Amazon jungle. Uh, so one is a vine, and it's combined with a leaf, uh, boiled up, distilled down into a drink. And when you drink it, uh, it puts you in the psychedelic sort of space uh for about four hours and you know there's a lot of ceremony tradition with it it goes back millennia been used by tribes all across amazon all across the different countries and it was used uh for various purposes uh religious spiritual but also healing the tribe bringing the tribe together coming up with answers uh the base chemical for ayahuasca is something called dmt right that's Um, what i was gonna ask you about which is called the the kind of colloquially the spirit molecule, um, and it's similar to other psychedelics. So something uh, so like magic mush, magic mushrooms, also known as psilocybin, uh, they have a similar compound psilocybin, and they're both uh, chemically related but slightly different. And so they all have similar experiences, but they're all unique uh, to the user and also to, to the experience itself. And so DMT and ayahuasca particularly, uh, tend to really bring on this sort of weird spiritual, but also therapeutic space. So it's not all of a sudden you're going to like take ayahuasca and have a come to Jesus moment, but it does, as with other psychedelics, brings you into this more connective spot, uh, kind of seeing, you know, how everything is related and connected, uh, yourself with nature, yourself with your family, your friends, all that kind of stuff. You can almost see the, the, the lines extend, which is one of the many aspects that can really help, especially veterans. Cause one of the dynamics that brings on, uh, or exacerbates a lot of the, the mental health issues with veterans is when they get out, they lose their tribe, right? They lose that strong brotherhood, that, that interconnectivity. And so when they go out, they're almost in this, they feel isolated. They're in this island. And, and a common issue with vets is that nobody understands me. I can't relate to these people. You know, in the university, who are these? They don't know anything. And this can help alleviate that aspect. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I sidetracked you a little bit from your story there. I just wanted to anybody yeah, listening who didn't didn't really understand what it is to to describe it a little bit. Um, so so back to you decided to you know go down to did you say Peru? Yeah, Peru was the, the first spot, and Peru tends especially now it, it tends to be one of the the centers of it. in the past 10, 20 years, uh, ayahuasca in particular has gained more prominence, more popularity uh, for a variety of reasons, but. At its core, it's because it is effective, and uh, thousands, tens of thousands of people have really found healing and purpose through um, the substance that, uh, as as you mentioned, in, in the West has always been sort of cast aside uh, and and you know stigmatized in a lot of different ways. But you know there there are retreats, there are traditions of it in all many different countries but it does stem from south america so brazil peru ecuador uh, but now the the more popular ones are, are are generally in peru but that's that's spreading as well okay and so going down there you you went to this this place that you you know you did your research and thought, thought it was a safe space and can you talk to what your experience was down there and how how it really changed your life yeah, I mean, it definitely was a leap of faith. Like I said, sure. you know, I, I, I was a dare kid, so it was just like that mentality of just say no. And so I was in uh, corporate finance before that in Tampa, and the, the, it was one of those things of if you told me that I was going to be leaving my job and going to Peru to take a psychedelic, I would have thought you're insane. But, you know, necessity pushes us to do this. Unfortunately, it was a good decision. You know, my, my intuition drove me there, and fortunately, you know, that potentially saved my life in a lot of different ways. Uh, so going there, I was nervous. Uh, one, just like I said, leaving my job and the comfort that's and just traveling to foreign unknown place and taking on this, especially this psychedelic is known to be much more intense than a lot of others um, and has this mystique around it. So I had no idea and definitely nerves were pretty high, you know, inside of me. Uh, but I, I knew I needed that change and, you know, I just kind of went in with that warrior spirit of like, Hey, I'm here for a reason. Uh, I'm not going to turn back until I find that, you know, maybe, maybe this is all, you know, BS and I can just go home knowing I and check that box. But if I'm going to do this, I'm going to uh, give it everything and, and go into it with, with serious intention. So I went there, um, and typically, especially now how it works with Western people going to these places, uh, you'll go to a center, uh, which is generally in, generally pretty rustic, out of nowhere, like in the middle of the, the jungle. Uh, you'll generally go there for about a week to 10 days. And within that week, you'll have the opportunity to do about four different ceremonies. So they happen at night traditionally, um, and each ceremony takes about four or five hours long. That's how long the, the psychedelic experience generally lasts in a person on average. So you go in there, um, and there's you know all the ceremony around it, all the the traditional sort of ways of approaching it. They explain it, they explain the the the, the culture, the history behind it, and then one by one you you go take uh, the drink, um, and then after about a half an hour the psychedelic experience kicks in. And so by the psychedelic experience, if you've seen any movies that incorporate psychedelics or, or have experience, it, it's that sort of traditional. You know, geometric patterns, you start seeing things can start moving, bright colors, all that sort of stuff. Um, and that's generally, you know, user user experience differs uh, with everybody. Um, and then oftentimes it, it, it takes you on a very internal journey, which is the other uh, therapeutic effect of ayahuasca as opposed to some other psychedelics. It, can, it, it tends to be, this is not 100%, but it tends to be very in-your-face therapeutic. So you go in there, especially if you go in there with intention, and you're almost exploring your mind. You're exploring these strong emotions that often you bottled up or have ignored for so long, and it throws that in your face. Uh, and so you have to contend with it. But as opposed to other therapy, which is why I think it's very appealing to veterans, is that it's almost like you are you finally have the power to face your own demons. And it will be hard, but it's bringing the power back into your hands to face and confront what has been, you know, affecting your life, what has been bringing you down the unhealthy patterns that you're that you're there. And you have to come to terms with it and face it right there and and realize it. And, you know, um, that's that's the power within it. 
Yeah. And just, just seeing so many lines that draw so many similarities between that and, uh, people from the military community, especially your world, like talking about ranger school. I mean, uh, I haven't been to ranger school. I've, I went to the air forces pre-ranger course, which was like two of the hardest weeks I think of, of, of my life. Cause they try to give you a little taste of what the actual, you know, full, full course is like. Um, but it's like that kind of going through some suffering, but to come out of it of a kind of a better person with a better understanding of what you're capable of and, and who you really are and kind of the whole mentality of, you know, the iron sharpens iron and like the, the, the sharpest blades are forged by the hottest fires. I think that mentality probably carries a lot of weight for, for veterans, especially because it's like, I'm going to go and do this thing. That's going to challenge me physically and mentally. And, and it's going to be transformative. Yeah, I mean, you, you have it 100% right. And it, it can be physical, too. Uh, my first experience were less so on the hallucination side, but very physical. Just I couldn't sit still. You know, I just felt all this nervous energy a lot. You know, it was my anxiety boiling up. And, you know, I just had like a lot of hot flashes and just felt it was wrong. There's a there's a purging aspect off into this where you know, the, the majority of people will, will vomit out the substance um, at least once or twice. Uh, generally, it kind of interplays with the whole story. So a lot of people will visualize it as being, you know, whatever issues they're trying to get out or whatever trauma. And, uh, you know, I'm sure people hearing this who have no experience or have skepticism, a lot of this is going to talk or sound, you know, like the stereotypical, like, oh, yeah, that guy's just tripping. You know, that's kind of bullshit. And, you know, I understand that I, I come from that that same sort of view when before I went through all this. Um, and, and to those points, one, it's extremely hard to explain unless you've experienced it. And, you know, we're, we're from our side or my side. I'm never trying to push this on somebody. You know, it's not like, oh, you need to do this. This is the only thing. It's really for the people that were at the same state uh, as I was. And they just need, you know, something to some sort of step, some some sort of hope to get them to the next level. And when those people come, we can provide it to them in a, in a safe sort of way. But on the other side too, there is starting, growing, growing uh, scientific approach to a lot of what I'm saying. You know, there, right. there is one, there is seems to be a physical interplay between the, the chemical substance itself and the brain, which has been shown to do some pretty amazing things like neurogenesis, uh, potentially balancing certain hormones and serotonin levels, um, increasing plasticity within the brain, all these things that can help for mental trauma and also traumatic brain injury on, on a certain extent. And then on the therapeutic side, this is almost just a different version of what the military regularly uses, which is prolonged exposure therapy. And the limits of prolonged exposure therapy and talk therapy are these blockages. So a lot of vets that come out of the, the, the PE, um, prolonged exposure therapy, what they say is like, it almost feels like beating the dead horse over and over again. They're like, I don't want to relive this. And they, they hit this blockage that they can't overcome it. What we found with a lot of these psychedelic experiences is because they're almost transported within this dynamic. And so they are able to pass, complete the story in a different way because it's almost like they're in this dream state and you can con you can complete the story or face your demons or get past it. And so it's almost this more powerful prolonged exposure therapy uh, where you can come out with some sort of resolution or some form of, of, of getting past it. Right. Uh, out of curiosity, have you read Michael Pollan's book, uh, How to Change Your Mind? Yeah, I, I read it, I think, about last year. Yeah, I, I would encourage anybody who's listening to this podcast to to and who's interested in, in what this whole thing is about to read it because it really does. He does a great job in the book, in my opinion, really. I mean, he goes through the history of, of psychedelics in general and, and why they were banned in the sixties and all this kind of thing. But he talks a lot about this, this mental health aspect and what's going on psychologically when you're underneath or in the, under the influence of these kind of substances and why that can be. So I, I guess the word would be like accelerative or, or, you know, it kind of, break down some walls that we normally have in our mind when we're dealing with these things like trauma and things of that nature. Yeah, I'd say it's a, that book's a, a great first stepping stone. And I heard through the grapevine, they're actually making a, a Netflix series about it. Oh, um, really? At some point, yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, especially for people that are approaching this podcast with a lot of skepticism or what I'm saying with right. a lot of skepticism, that's understandable. And you should always go into these things, you know, I, I you know, I, I think that's that protects yourself, especially with a mental health dynamic. But if you are interested or you're a little bit intrigued, I think that's a good first place to start because he comes from it from that point of view as an outsider. Mm-hmm. You know, he was not right. a druggie or anything like that, or he's not prone to just saying like, oh, this is great, this is going to change the world, which I know a lot of vets can kind of shy away from. And so right. he, he comes from it from a very pragmatic sort of way, goes into the science, goes into the history, goes into the possibilities of why it works. And you mm-hmm. also see his own transformation of, you know, what he thinks that it helped in his own life. And so I agree, that's a, that's a good uh, first step for, for people that are somewhat intrigued or interested in this. Right. So... Back to your story, um, you went down there and you had this transformative experience, um, and then you you came back to the states. And what? Where did you go from there? No, actually, I, I remained there. So I had this. Oh, you did. Okay. And it it took a little bit of time to digest because one, it was, you know, the there weren't any programs like what I'm trying to develop develop right now. And so it was like you go there and you're kind of left to your own devices a little bit to figure all right. it all out. And so I went there and I knew something changed in me. I couldn't quite figure out what, but I, I definitely felt a lot better uh, deep in my intuition or gut. I felt this was on the right path of what I needed to do. And at the very least, I knew there was something to it. I knew it wasn't just like a placebo or me just tripping in the woods. And I also heard of the other people there, some pretty amazing, profound stories of seeing it firsthand, but also people that had gone before and it had, you know, wiped away their depression, anxiety. So, you know, I was interested and I was, I just knew there was something there. And so that's what started the thought process going. And the more I thought about it, I continued to travel. Like I said, I had left my job. And so now it was on me to figure out, all right, what is next for me? And how can I I have this opportunity to reestablish my life and how can I do that to set myself up for success? You know, I didn't, in the corporate job, I just felt like I was, you know, my soul was dying on a daily basis and I just knew I couldn't go back to that. But I also didn't want to waste, you know, my, my degree, my, my background in finance. I I didn't want to like throw it all away either. So I was, I was in this sort of uh, thinking process. I traveled around Columbia, ended up staying there. I started talking to friends about my experience and what they thought about it and what their reaction would be. And I just got overwhelmingly positive experience, uh, especially from, you know, a lot of the other special operations guys, Rangers, uh, SEALs and, and SF. A lot of that mentality just kind of seems to be like, hey, if it works, like, who am I to prevent you from helping yourself? Uh, and so that, you know, uh, eventually got the nerve and I was like, all right, well, this I have the ability and. I have this these I have this knowledge that I need to at least share with people that way if they are in the similar sort of setting, they know that there's other options. And so that was the basis of it of starting Heroic Hearts Project of at least uh, give people the information so that they have the ch- they can make the choice. So they have just an additional tool. Um, and so since then, that's what we've developed. Uh, that was in two thousand and seventeen. And what I've really tried, with the help of some great volunteers and my team, what we've really tried to develop is, like I mentioned before, a whole supportive apparatus around this. Um, so one, providing the information, but two, connecting people if they're interested and there's not any um, potential danger medically with them, You know, vetting them, making sure that they're right candidates, making sure that they're in the right mind state and health-wise. Um, finding retreats that one are willing and, and and are excited about working with veterans and that are doing it in what we deem the appropriate way through some some uh, ways we vet those as well. And then we've been providing financial scholarships because a lot of vets, especially those with mental trauma, you know, tend to be financially uh, struggling oftentimes. Right. And, you know, we just provide this whole logistic platform. We provide a coaching and support afterwards to help guide uh, veterans and, and, you know, set everybody up with the best chance of success as possible, uh, given the limited infrastructure that we can currently have. 
And to my understanding, you guys are a nonprofit organization, correct? Correct. Yeah, we're a registered uh, 501c3 in the U.S. Awesome. That's that's awesome. So um, taking it from there, like, so that you kind of found this new mission in Heroic Arts Project, right? Like, that's just, and that's this is what you've been doing since, essentially, right? Yeah, that with, like, some other, like, side jobs and, mm-hmm. you know, just a one keep me, uh, keep, me inspired because you know anything you do too much you're you're just gonna get beaten down by it especially this sure you know it's it's everything in an uphill battle <laughs> all at once because you're dealing yeah. with uh all sorts of logistical nightmares the legality an unchanging va and healthcare system in general um and just the lack of you know the stigma that we mentioned before lack of information so yeah so some stuff on the side financial reason you know financial uh bringing continue the finance coming in but yeah right. this has been my main focus uh since then um and you know definitely love hate but when when you see the results and when i continue to reprove what we're doing to myself then there's no other option and you know you always especially when you come into these things and you hopefully with any sort of business you should always come in there with some sort of doubt some sort of like self-questioning of am i doing this right is this necessary uh you know because we are dealing with something very serious you know lives of veterans and you know i've had my moments of doubt of like is this is what i'm doing you know the skepticism returns but then you know i, I get a group of veterans together in, in a retreat and you just see some pretty phenomenal healing that lasts to this day. And these are, you know, some intense operator guys right. that have done and seen some some pretty crazy shit. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Can we can we backpedal a little bit and talk about um, kind of the VA system? And I'm not I'm not trying to bash it or anything like that. But we I mean, every it's kind of common knowledge that it's got issues and can i just ask in your opinion like what is the va getting wrong about post-traumatic stress like what in your opinion yeah of course and you know i always try to say uh one in terms of medication you know i'm not trying to bad mouth medication it's helped a lot of people and if it's the right path uh but i do think it's overly prescribed without the correct follow-up and i do think that there needs to be more options that are you know that potentially could add more effectiveness that that we're not seeing right now. Uh, just in general, for the overview, the 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 current mental health programs have a pretty low success rate overall, and so you know why not bring more tools if if they're safe? Uh, and the VA itself too. Everybody, you know, if you're a veteran, I'm not trying to dismiss it or say you shouldn't go. You should follow those. You know, often the, the applicants that we choose that we select are the ones that have tried various therapy methods because then by the time they get to us, they can be more appreciative. They understand how it works a little bit. And it's also, there's a determination there. Like the, the psychedelic experience, it takes work. It's not just you take this uh, drug or you take this pill or whatever, and then you're, you're good to go. It takes a lot of preparation. It takes a lot of work afterwards and you have to commit to things. And so we want people if we're going to give them scholarships to put in the work necessary to change their own lives, this is just a stepping stone, a tool. And if I give you this tool, are you going to use it effectively? Or are you going to throw it away and, and not get the most out of it? So, yeah. So, I mean, the VA is just, it should be a resource and you should still try. It can be very frustrating, but you know, the, they're the, the people within them, the doctors are doing a great job. I think it's just a, a, issue of this giant bureaucracy and it's just a slow moving giant that's always slow to move and i i don't think there is the necessary ground level veteran voice there uh because by the time they hear these issues it's already 10 15 years past it they're not getting you know the grunt perspective i think effectively through the va you see that with ptsd itself you see that with agent orange you see that with gulf war syndrome they're always 10 20 years behind the times um, right. On the mental health side, it's it's that it's it's you know they're trying to just develop like an easy protocol of like you do this, here's your talk therapy, here's your pill, you're good to go, because there it's just so many cases that it's hard to have this individualized treatment, and that's right. 
indicative of like the mental health world in general. They, in my view, they're trying to treat mental disorders like they do a broken bone. And because that would be the easiest way to do it. It's like, hey, you have a broken arm. This is a procedure to fix your arm. You'll be good to go in six months, right? But the, the mind and trauma itself is so very complex that it's not just going to be solved by one thing for one individual all the time. And I think that's really what we're getting wrong is just not appreciating the complexity, not exploring and trying to figure out better understanding of it. Some people are. Some definitely are leading the way. But I think there's just this entrenched dogma that follows any sort of field or, or, or science oftentimes. And I think we just need to get out of that entrenchment and, and explore new alternatives. Yeah. I mean, I think it's indicative of, of our healthcare system in the U.S. anyway. And, and a lot of mentality of people, and I'm not trying to, to bash anyone, but it's just – just give me the pill. I mean, even even now with uh, with the COVID nineteen situation, it's like where's where's the vaccine? Give it to us now. Like, this is not the kind of solution that's gonna come overnight. And you know, it's an easy button. It's it's not that simple. And when you're talking about things like mental health and dealing with trauma and, and uh, post traumatic stress, it's it's a complex problem that doesn't have a one size fits all approach, in my opinion. Right and to your point with the COVID, it's it's like you're chasing the after effect. It's like, okay, well, all these people have died and let's find the vaccine. You know, what we're trying to do is let's not get to that point. Let's try to, you know, nature is always going to find a way. So there's an inevitability to it, but let's be more prepared. Let's set ourselves up for success. You know, a lot of the prevention of a lot of these mental disorders, you can do way beforehand. You know, you don't have to wait till the threshold point to, to address it. Yeah, uh, and but you need we're working need on all that. sides too. Yeah, I mean the the reintegration thing coming back from from deployment now is there's still a stigma about it, but it's getting it's it's getting better. I, I've seen it myself, like the integration of the um, preser- preservation of the force and family system within SOCOM, which is an awesome initiative. I mean, I've, I've partaken in it, having like you know trained counselors or therapists in the unit and then of course going going beyond just the mental aspect to like having the the physical therapists and the strength and conditioning coaches and nutritionists and i mean the, the idea is to start treating our military people like high performance athletes that should be taken care of on multiple spectrums just like you would you know just like you would an aircraft it's got a whole crew of people that maintain it and keep it going and, and keeping it operating at its maximum capacity yeah, I mean, if, if, even if you um, historically, uh, if, if you look at what they did with troops after World War II, it wasn't they just went back from battle and straight into the, the home life. They had this sort of resting period where they were almost in this unwinding phase. You know, obviously right. there's still a lot of a lot of trauma, a lot of uh, shell shock after that, but they at least had this decompression time. And that was very specific because what, what you're happening now, especially with technology, helicopters, jets, all that kind of stuff, is people are going from one extreme to the other. And it's it's just the shock to the system. And that's what you're seeing with a lot of vets is that they don't know how to, you know, we, we go through this whole indoctrination and basic training to learn how to be a soldier and work as a unit. But there is not the same sort of ceremony and same sort of indoctrination to go back into civilian life. And people need right. to almost relearn how to be civilians because it's, you know, you can still maintain your certain military sort of stuff, but you want to drop some stuff, you know, like people take the hypervigilance to an extreme, not right. necessarily out of their fault, but they, they, they feel like they always need to like look for the exits at the Walmart and stuff yeah. like that. Have your and back that, to the wall. And and being at that heightened stress level is not, not healthy. You know, there's, there's a difference between being safe and being, aware of your surroundings and, and being at that extreme intense state, especially yeah. if you're a family member of one of those people. And that's, we've, we've, we've dealt a lot with that, you know, the trauma permeates to the family too. Yeah. I, I'm, my background is in force protection and anti-terrorism. And, uh, I always say like, there's this fine line between situational awareness and paranoia. And like, that's where, for me as a career field, that's where I have to live is like that, that line between the paranoia and the, and the situational awareness. But if you let yourself live too long and you know, what we we talk about being like in the red or being in the black, it's like, it's, it's not good for the overall mental state. You gotta have, you gotta be able to decompress and relax and 
you know, just go back to like normal baseline. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's like you said, the, the military are trying to address it uh, sometimes in not, not the smartest manners, but, you know, the, there is the, the, the movement towards it. And fortunately, you know, the U.S. is very veteran supportive. And so that's really what we're trying to work with is like, hey, it, I know you have these stigmas, but if I show you these guys that you really respect and, and are thanking on a daily basis and they got this tremendous healing out of this thing that you call a drug, can you can you loosen up your your views a little bit if it's for the sake of this person's mental health? Can you at right. least provide veterans the right to heal themselves? And that's kind of the middle way that we're 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 trying to approach this. Of you know, I, I understand the stigma and I understand the fear around these, and we're not just trying to dump psychedelics on the on the population, but. Uh, you know, just we found we've seen some pretty, like I said before, amazing results. And through our program, too, this is there is anecdotal, which is very powerful. But we're also working with a couple of universities in the U.S., potentially international. And we're trying to bring as much evidence uh, and fact based research to this. But what people need to understand is it's extremely difficult. Um the situation that we have in it's this weird catch 22 which has prevented these from being effective or being accepted treatments because right. something like dmt and marijuana and mdma is is going through clinical research right now for being effective for ptsd these are all schedule one drugs which is the the strictest scheduling and the strictest um classification where it's it's, it's very hard to do anything with these substances when they're schedule right. one and that includes research. Right. And just I'm just going to backtrack for anybody listening. When you when you talk about the, the way scheduling works with the federal government, Schedule 1 is the accepted definition is that that substance has zero therapeutic potential. And it's so they've been essentially blacklisted from from even research, even being able to look at them as a, a second opportunity kind of to like, well, maybe this does have some uh, some p potential and and I would love for you to talk about that. I do to use the Association for Psychedelic Studies, and I've I've heard about their clinical trials that they're doing for veterans and the the great results they're having. So if you want to talk on on that and any of the universities that you're working with, I I really love that stuff. My background before I was in the military was in was in biology, so I, I love hearing about the research side of it. Right. Yeah, so I mean, the the easiest case point, just because most people are familiar, is if you follow cannabis or marijuana. And despite what you like personally believe about it, it's pretty hard to deny that there is some sort of medicinal value to it or CBD. Uh, but if you look at it, the research is actually very limited, and this goes back to the Schedule One substance. Uh, one, when it's Schedule One, there's no government funding that can be uh, used to support this. And so these substances like marijuana that for a pharmaceutical, they can't patent it and it can be very expensive to go through this process. It is nearly impossible for just public benefit substances like these to get through any sort of uh, trial without you know, financial support, especially without government funding. The government has used their power too to, to strong arm universities not to research these because universities rely on government funding as well. And so that's why with cannabis marijuana, there hasn't really been a, a better development of the therapeutic uses of this. And that's why, you know, even if I'm sure a lot of your listeners use it therapeutically or even CBD, that's why these are still banned because of that, that prevention of us learning anything more or exploring, you know, the non uh, THC related benefits of, of that substance. And it's the same across the board of like there is beyond a doubt uh, therapeutic benefits to all these psilocybin, which is known more locally as magic mushrooms, right. got FDA designation as a breakthrough therapy. And that's an official designation, meaning that it is well beyond and above any other approved uh, therapeutic treatment, which is a pretty big deal and that fast tracks it. And so this is something that people, you know, have kind of thrown aside like, oh, you're just getting high, but it is showing to be that. So they're, they're using, uh, they're, 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 they're still pretty early with psilocybin. Uh, they've been using it for depression. Um, 
and and uh, originally like alcoholism and and stuff like that. Uh, so that will that will probably take a few more years. The one that is closest to being uh, passed by the FDA is MDMA, which is known as the it's the main chemical in, in ecstasy. Uh, and so what they found is uh, if you take it in, you know, very controlled doses and pure MDMA, not, you know, some weird mix, uh, and you have the assistance of a trained counselor or therapist, then it can be very beneficial for people uh, who experience PTSD. And so right now they're in final stage trials with the FDA, which means within a year or two, it can probably be uh, administered through clinics for vets and essentially probably through the, the VA down the line. So the, the reason why we're thinking it works, and so I think I, I mentioned before, the, the, the current methods of the VA are, their go-to is talk therapy, some sort of it, uh, cognitive behavior therapy or prolonged exposure therapy, and generally, mo more often than not, the addition of some sort of medication, generally an SSRI, um, and that's the combination. But their success rate, uh, has been about two thirds walk away with that still having pretty severe PTSD symptoms. So they only have about a one third success rate. And even that is a little dubious. And, and if you look into it, uh, what they're seeing with the MDMA is that they're getting 70 to 80% success rate of complete recidivism of PTSD symptoms. And these were deemed, these cases were deemed uh, treatment resistant. So these were the hardest cases. These were the guys and girls that had gone through other therapy and had deemed that therapy is not effective towards their trauma. And you're having these trials with MDMA and people are walking away, you know, like new people without the, the, the monkey on the back of PTSD, which is pretty spectacular, which, you know, that's doubling, if not tripling the, the previous results. And that's, again, sort of, I think, the lagging issue with our government and to a lesser extent the VA is that we have this very effective treatment that's going through it unfortunately it is but that has been all privately funded right. there has not right. been a single cent of government money going to probably the most effective PTSD treatment we've we've ever seen and i think that is a tragedy and that is something that really needs some self reflection of why that is the case it shouldn't be on a GoFundMe page to have <laughs> no, no, definitely you know, should not. better veteran like mental health treatments. And you know, right. the VA has what, eighty billion in funding annually? Right. Well the just like you were saying, and like with anything with the federal government, um, the the cogs in a big machine turn very slowly. So I think the fact that we're we are starting to see changes is, is, is good. Of course we would like it to be faster, but at least there's starting to become movement on some of the stuff, which I'm very glad to see. Yeah, definitely. And again, it's another tool, you know, when, when MDMA does eventually get approved, it's going to help a lot of people, uh, maybe not everybody. And so we need to find more tools. There's not going to be one be all end all, uh, magic bullet. And again, it's, uh, we have to change our mentality of, I'm going to take this prescription. I'm going to be cured. It, it takes a lot of time, work, uh, and individual responsibility to, you know, mental health is, is a lifestyle. It's not a, a momentary decision. For sure, man. Um, so I'd like to ask you, um, kind of like who is influencing you and maybe who you're listening to, who you're reading and it's kind of like who, who personally for you right now is like affecting your thinking and, and the way you're moving in life. Uh, really just on the, on the ground, just like a lot of the, the researchers that behind the scenes, um, are really pushing this without, you know, sort of the notoriety. Um, and you have it all, all sorts. Like I said, these, these are people that risk their careers, uh, put a lot of money and time, uh, when a lot of people, you know, would have blacklisted them or called them foolish for doing that. You know, what people don't understand will probably not really realize is that 10, 15 years ago, if you said you were studying psychedelics in a lot of these medical fields, that was a career ender. And so people right. still push for it or even in like a government official. And so you see a lot of these people with, with a lot of courage that are, that are pushing this forward. And so, you know, um, in, in, in various spots, those are 
the ones that I always look to for inspiration and follow their lead of, of how they're doing it. Um, and just whoever is, is approaching these with nuance and, and new styles, it is a very uncharted path right now. And so a lot of us are trying to experiment, but in, in the safest way possible, right? We're trying to figure out what's the best protocols, what are the best integration steps, uh, even in terms of like dosage, you know, doing this, changing the paradigm in a lot of ways, being open-minded to why things work and how they are working, uh, but really slowly trying to explore those, those uh, dynamics and, you know, those those are the people that I always look to and and, and read up on. Awesome. Uh, when you hear the term or the or the words warrior monk together, what is what does that make you think of? I think it's you know I, I think it's the bringing on the surface these conflicting terms together that don't mm -hmm. necessarily have to be conflicting, but actually uh, join very well and i think it's expanding people's understanding of what either one of those can be because we tend to be very compartmentalizing if that's a word uh of what you are and i come across that a lot and that's part of what i part of our program and what we really emphasize for for veterans and other people that we deal with going through this experience of connect to that warrior side of you you know that's not a bad term especially a lot of people that have bad experience in the military they might want to like cast away their veteran side or their warrior side or sure. people especially in the psychedelic world might hear warrior or military and have their own you know reaction to it but for me and for the guys that i send what we try to tell them is you know warrior is is almost a lifestyle it's, it's a it's a schema of a person it's it's at its core this noble person that when they face an obstacle they figure out a way around it and they try to protect others you know there's a lot of very positive virtuous aspects of this of this warrior that's in stories you know throughout his, history of, of man and that's what people need to connect to when things do get hard like what you said uh forging by fire that's where the warrior comes out and it's not just military everybody or most people can connect to that and then on the other side too, the monk, you know, it's just because you're a warrior doesn't mean you're a meathead or a rock eater. Like you can be sophisticated, you can be philosophical, you can connect to this peaceful sort of aspect. You know, you can use that warrior spirit for good. And that's what we see with a lot of vets when they get out is that they have this energy, they have this drive, they have this determination and they feel a little bit lost because they no longer have that, you know, the, the, the the war, the battle, the combat to use all that energy, but a right. lot of them are able to divert that to good causes and be that warrior towards nonprofits and charity and helping others in a very determined, <laughs> straightforward. And I think that's the same with the, the 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 cohesion between those those two terms. Awesome, I love your take on it. I appreciate you you giving your your spin on it. Um, Please, Jesse, advocate for any anything else you'd like to personally. And, and if people want to follow the Heroic Hearts Project or donate or help, please give them the, the information they need to find you. Of course. Yes. I mean, you know, we are a 501c3 nonprofit. So if you do find it in your heart to, to give to us, I know there's a lot going on, but we still have a lot of vets despite COVID that need help and probably even more so being locked at home without treatment. So, you know, we are run on donations. It's an all volunteer staff. None of us get paid. Every single cent goes towards supporting vets, getting them to these, uh, these treatment protocols, um, in, in a variety of forms. So, you know, donations are huge to us. So if, if you find it, there's other ways to help, you know, I know a lot of us are, are hard for cash, especially now, uh, we have like an, uh, we have an ambassador program. So if people have some sort of skill set and they really want to help, you can find that on our website as well. Um, you know, just really help us out by giving us ideas of how you can help. That that really helps our side of it. Our website is heroicheartsproject.org. You can Google search that, come up with it. You can Google search veterans and psychedelics, and we'll come up top of the list. You know, we're on all social media platforms. Our biggest one is uh, Instagram. And that's a good resource for people that are interested in, in learning more. You know, we consistently uh, post 
uh, news or research around all things psychedelic and all novel treatments uh, for, for mental health and veterans. Uh, all those you can look at through searching uh, Heroic Hearts Project. And through the donation side, you know, we have a we have the 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 donation ask. Uh, you can go through the the website. Uh, it's it's on there. You can go through Facebook. Uh, we have a Patreon. You know, there's all sorts of different ways. And then at the end of it, you know, reach out to us if you have questions. Uh, if if you're concerned about somebody, if you want to know more, uh, send us an email. Uh, we'll help you out the best we can. Um, just you know, be patient. If you are a veteran in need. We unfortunately uh, have come across a huge problem, uh, right. and there's just not a lot of resources. So we do have uh, a lot of people that are looking, seeking this 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 help. And so just be patient with us. We, you know, we're working nonstop to try to help everybody that we possibly can. Um, so yeah, that's like I said, just reach out if you have questions, and I'd be happy to steer in the right direction or do my best to answer. Cool. Awesome. Jesse, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate your, uh, you, you being able to talk with me this morning and, and tell us your story. And uh, I really appreciate what your project is doing. And I, I wish it the best success and I look forward to seeing where you guys can move in the future. Lance, I, I very much appreciate it. Thanks for giving us a platform and helping us spread the message. Awesome, man. Take care. You too. Stay healthy. All right. Thank you again to Jesse for his time. I really enjoyed having him on the podcast. He was a great guest. I really enjoyed hearing the story of how Heroic Hearts Project got started. And I hope some of you, uh, maybe who thought some of this stuff was taboo or off limits in the past, talking about psychedelics and their potential use for post-traumatic stress and depression, maybe kind of sparked your curiosity a little bit, maybe kind of decided to uh, maybe I should look into this kind of stuff some more I would highly encourage you to go check out their website at heroicheartsproject.org I would also in, uh, invite you to go check out MAPS the Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Studies uh, we mentioned or I mentioned them briefly in the podcast but unfortunately there was a little bit of of lag in the audio which kind of cut it out but they're another nonprofit organization that is specifically looking at the research side of psychedelics. Um, they're the ones that have been pushing for the clinical trials for uh, psilocybin and MDMA for post-traumatic stress. And they've really taken it from a scientific standpoint and looking at this from a pharmacological and psychological perspective. And they're really doing really good work, and they are definitely saving lives, both the Heroic Hearts Project and MAPS. So I'd encourage you to go check them out. Check them out as well on socials at Instagram and Facebook. And if you've enjoyed the, listening to this podcast and you're enjoying the content that the Warrior Monk Podcast is putting out, please go find us on Instagram and Facebook at the Warrior Monk Podcast. Please leave us a five-star review. Please leave me a comment or direct message on Instagram or Facebook, and I'll get back to you. Let's have a conversation. Let's spark it up. Let's get creative. Let's get outside of the comfort zone. Let's delve into everything that is Warrior Monk, and let's start growing through balance. That's what we're all about here at the Warrior Monk Podcast. Thank you guys for your time. I hope you enjoyed it, and we'll be talking to you in the near future. This is Lance signing out.